You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider, Brandon Jaggers, and me, C.C. Broadus. everybody welcome to episode 35 of the auxiliary gate podcast i'm cc broadus joined by alan schneider hello everyone and of course the nature boy himself brandon jaggers pig five master that, that's uh, we're, him we're gonna talk about <laughs> just a second uh first of all it's uh starting to heat up in the horse racing world finally uh it's it's the the winter doldrums has had an effect on me, but we've got the Pegasus World Cup coming up next Saturday. We've got a big day of racing that we're going to talk about on this podcast coming up on Saturday at Fairgrounds. We're going to have our first uh, Triple Crown prep. And in the world of, of breeding and racing around the world, we had a we had a shock uh, yesterday. Uh, Khaled Abdullah passed away. He was the owner of Judmont Farm. And we were just, uh, before we came on the air, we were talking about all of the horses that he's bred uh, the, around the world. He's had horses like Enable and Frankel and Midday and Kingman and Empire Maker, Arrogate. The list goes on and on. Alan, do you, any Judmont favorites that you have? Well, you just mentioned several of them. Uh, first off, those pink and I don't know if you call them teal silks, teal silks. Or some of my favorites, uh, you know, you know Judmont when you see him. But from a horse standpoint, I I was always partial to Banks Hill, Banks Hill Philly Mare Turf winner. Uh, I think I uh, did well on that horse a couple of times. And uh, you know, you always like the really classy turf mares. You always like, and Banks Hill was every bit of that. But my God, you mentioned so many Frankel. Uh, we've got Close Hatches, Dan Silly. You could go on and on and on. But uh, I got a best fondness for Banks Hill. Brandon, any Judmont memories? Yeah, Tacitus. I definitely remember making some money off Tacitus. Definitely enabled. Uh, of course, Arrowgate. I think Flintshire was even one. Uh, yeah, right. Even though bred in Europe, but um, yeah, I mean those those are memories that I that I recall. And you guys probably got those memories from like 20 years ago. <laughs> 30, oh, 40 yeah. years. <laughs> <Going back. laughs> Mares like yeah, Intercontinental, Tate's Creek. I mean, uh, yeah, Banks Hill, the, the list goes on and on and on and on. So uh, hopefully the the Judmont name will live on. Uh, another name that's probably going to disappear from uh, from uh, programs, uh, especially in the in uh, Woodbine and, and Canada, is Samsung Farm. They had their uh, mare dispersal uh, yesterday at Keeneland, at the Keeneland January sale. So uh, and they, several of those mares brought 900 to Nine hundred fifty thousand dollars. A lot of descendants of horses like Dance Smartly and Wilderness Song, and and all of those great mares they had back in the nineties, and and Dance Through the Dawn. A lot of uh, Triple Crown, Canadian Triple Crown winners, and and uh, they will definitely uh, definitely be missed going forward. Uh, but uh, let's talk about uh, some of our uh, personal news. I think uh, one one of the members of the podcast cashed a big uh, pick five at uh, turfway over the weekend uh who would that be i i, I don't know who it was it who, was, who it was, you? was it you i don't know if it's it, me it wasn't me it definitely yeah, it was, wasn't me it was carry over day it was, I don't know it was hey 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 hey, hey, yes. hey over here oh, was it you play that yeah. drum set. where's my drum beat as i walk into the podcast room our, oh, our very man. own our very own brandon jaggers nailed the was it friday night the friday night yeah. five to the carry over to the tune Carry of or night. Uh, the, I don't. I don't understand how sometimes it shows you on the wheel pays forty seven hundred, but it paid five thousand and change. So that's because I got five thousand number. Too. But if you remember, I was live to the, the second place horse that ultimately gave up the rail to the Mike McCarthy horse that I know the assistant trainer for Mike McCarthy and his horse ended up taking up the rail and winning, which was the lowest of the wheel pays. I was five deep in that leg. And I'll tell you, the biggest discrepancy I've ever seen in horse racing occurred that <laughs> night at the same time. You have an odds-on favorite of seven to five with a payout of around seven grand. You have the next couple horses a little bit higher, 
But then you have a horse that was sitting in the morning line at seven to one, paying forty seven hundred. So there's a twenty six hundred dollar discrepancy, huge gap between a favorite, a odds on favorite, and You're right. somebody on the tote sitting at seven to one. When the horse went off, it was seven to two. I think it even was three to one at the very end. So I put a win bet on it just because of how hammered that will pay was. But I'm telling you, something was up with that. I've never seen it before. I've they, asked they some knew. people. They knew, but somebody else really knew. And uh, I'm still we're uh, that that that's still under investigation. I'll report back next week. <laughs> you got it. Well, congratulations. That was a great ticket, by the way. That's a great yeah. ticket. Where, where, how, how did you structure that ticket? What, what, what did you lean on? Craig, we talked about it, and really what I was leaning on was just some solid information, and then I played off the pace. I mean, I think every time I feel like, especially in claimers and low-level claimers, I mean, they start, they hit the board hot, they're coming down the lane, then they get gassed, even if it's six, six furlongs or a mile, and then somebody that's a closer, somebody that's coming off the pace – typically wins and that's what makes that place fun i mean you get so many more closers now there's the, of course there's the wesley wards that'll go gate to wire but you don't see many gate to wires at turfway and i remember thinking the way i was playing that ticket I, you know i was like i gotta put some price in here this is not going to be chalk city and luckily the first leg i got that divider i only went three deep in the first leg and caught that seven to one i think it was edgar zayas on the mound yes and uh man then that then i knew i was kind of we were gonna have some fun but i got skinny in one of those which was a big favorite that actually ended up winning a three to two so i only went too deep there and then that maiden it was a maiden at 38 what is it thirty three thousand purse or something but they uh then i went five deep because i thought a lot of those horses were good and then i i saw my boy justin his horse you know uh the number 10 and i was like you know why is he there? What is he doing? I'm just going to cover him. And that's the only reason. Because I didn't like him. I never liked him. So It was a great hit. Great hit. Well, we've got a big weekend coming up here at the fairgrounds. I've, I've never been to the fairgrounds. Uh, uh, I don't think, Alan, you have either. But Brandon has, right? Oh, yeah. We uh, Almost a year ago to this day, uh, we had our first uh, – uh, our horse, Dream a Little Dreamer, you came in second. I think it was their first attempt at racing there. Yeah, I know it was a first start, actually. So, and she'll be back next weekend there in an allowance. I think non-winners of two. I don't know what the condition is, but it's an allowance race. All right. So, uh, to help us with our pick five, we're going to have a special guest. And Alan is going to introduce that guest right now. Alan, you're going to lead us off. So, when I count countdown from three you, you take over so three two one hey uh i know everyone is different but i've always considered the lacombe stakes for three-year-olds at the fairgrounds as my unofficial start to the triple crown season and it just so happens to be this saturday the the lacombe is the headliner for what is traditionally a fantastic card and with this year's version being no exception we thought here at the auxiliary gate podcast who better to help us break down this big card than someone who basically grew up on the fairgrounds backside under the tutelage of his veteran trainer father. VIP, VIP player services manager at Churchill Downs and dedicated horse player Gary Palmasano Jr. joins us tonight. How are you doing, Gary? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for you guys having me on. And, and there isn't much that I enjoy talking about more than racing from new orleans uh, as you mentioned that's that's home for me so I, I love it i'm happy to happy to have any conversations about horse horses racing in the big easy for sure well that's great i mean i've always been fascinated by new orleans i've always been fascinated by the fairgrounds i've never made it down there but uh we knew that you were the guy to come to about uh about the, that cajun home track of yours and such so we're anxious to talk to you about it and uh, with that in mind before we get cracking on this card, there's a couple of quick questions I have for you in, in that yep. vein. Um, like I said, your dad, Gary Palmasano Sr., correct? Gary, that's right? Yeah, senior? that's him, yep. He was a, a successful trainer down in those parts. So that leads me to ask, what was it like hanging around the backside at the fairgrounds in the heart of Cajun country as a youth? I have to think it was teeming 
with some really colorful characters. Is that true? Or yeah, absolutely. The like any racetrack, um, you know, you have your your set of of absolute characters and and people that you look up to and you know are inspired by and and friends. And it it is truly like a a small family on the backside. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody's while everyone's competing against each other, everyone's pulling for each other at the same time. So, you know, my my experience growing up in Louisiana on the backside was incredible. I was very fortunate and very blessed. My my dad actually trained for the family that owned the fairgrounds, uh, the Krantz family in the oh. 90s. Um, so when I was growing up there, I, I felt like a big shot. I was able to I could be in the jocks room with Julie Crone. I could be in the steward stand with Bill Hartack. I could be in the racing office. So I kind of ran amok uh, at the fairgrounds. It's actually kind of funny. When I would come home after a day at the races, I would start to tell my dad about all the things I did at the track. And my mom would be like, "Uh, you're eight years old. What were you you (laughs) not together all day? And my dad, kind of like ah he just kind of did his thing again today uh, so my mom got would always get a kick out of the fact that me and my dad never spent any time together at the track because I was always uh talking to somebody or trying to learn or ask questions or soaking up knowledge uh and and like I said I was blessed to have that opportunity growing up so you know that leads me to ask how come your last name is is spelt uh s-o at the end uh s-a-n-o and not S-A-N-E-A-U-X. Yeah, that? exactly. <laughs> yeah, no. No, no. I uh, we definitely have a little Cajun in us, but I'm I'm pretty wholeheartedly Italian, so gotcha, gotcha. Well, you know, growing up in that atmosphere, was it always the plan to get to Louisville and, and Churchill Downs one day, or is it just happenstance? No, it was a hundred percent the plan. Um oh, really? I had told my parents when I was about twelve or thirteen that you know, I was going to do something in horse racing and, and actually I owe a lot of credit to my dad. Um, you know, I grew up at the racetrack, but my dad never really forced me to do anything at the track. He always wanted me to learn my own way, but what he never let me do was actually physically work with the horses. Um, I would always try to go in the barn and, and walk the horse or whatever. And, and he had always told me that the money's made on the front side of the track <laughs> and, uh, and that if I wanted to do something with horse racing, he would absolutely support me, but he didn't want me waking up 365 days a year and, and going through the grind that he did. So he actually encouraged me to follow around the jockey agents or go shake hands with the owners or, or go sit in the racing office and listen to how they, you know, put the race card together um, way more so than he, pushed me to to learn the ins and outs of about the actual horse now I soaked up a lot of knowledge just from being around there but um my my path was kind of uh sealed very early and I knew exactly what I wanted to do and that's great that is that's that's fantastic uh I I I gotta get back down into ones I've only been one time but I loved it down there and I never made it to the fairground so I got you and Michelle Lovell as tour guides now so I'm looking forward to it uh absolutely hey, so so, LSU, New Orleans Saints, are you big fans, or what? Was, um, as I'm, I'm guessing, or what? I'm a pretty big Saints fan. Um, since I didn't go to college down there, I I came to college and went to the University of Louisville and did their equine business program. Um, that's kind of how I made it to Louisville. So I'm much more of a Louisville sports fan, um, but still a diehard Saints fan for sure. Okay, so you're so you're a transfer, and and there's I mean they won the championship last year i thought you might have been had some sort of residual uh, love for lsu i definitely pull for lsu but uh i pull for them more when they play kentucky but i'm i'm definitely uh you know much more into local sports for sure gotcha and how many times how many times you been to mardi gras oh geez actually in my house in louisiana there there's two different parade routes in louisiana there's the traditional uptown route that everybody kind of is familiar with the st charles avenue route and then there's a family route that's in Metairie, uh, which is a, a suburb just right outside of the city of New Orleans. And Metairie has its own parades and and draws a lot more of the family atmosphere as, as opposed to the downtown parades, which is a little bit more of the wild and crazy. So my house growing up was about seven houses off of the Metairie parade route. Wow. So 
I'm a I'm a veteran for sure. <laughs> so no, so, so you didn't give out many beads at the Metairie location, right? Just the downtown one, right? No, no, no. <laughs> it's it's the full it's the full experience in both places for sure. Oh, just, really? Oh yeah, it's it's just a a little. All the tourists are downtown for the most part, and all the the locals are at the the Metairie route. So it would be like uh, in Louisville, it would be like having a a parade on Bardstown Road that every local knows about versus a parade down 4th Street Live. So, Gotcha. I gotcha. Never done that either, but I'm going to get down there for some king cake one day. Hey, uh, CC, what do you got for my man Gary here? Uh, Gary, I was just wondering, uh, what's your relationship with the uh, Churchill Downs Racing Club? So I am actually the manager of that. So that's been a really fun passion project for me over the last five or six years. Um, we set out with a goal to increase ownership. Um, to to give people an opportunity to experience what it means to be a thoroughbred owner, to understand what goes into the behind the scenes aspects of it. Why are trainers, why do trainers do certain things? Why, you know, why is, how does the horse gallop? How much does it cost to own a horse? So uh, we started that a few years back, probably five or six years ago. And, uh, and I've kind of run with it ever since. And, and we're up to over a thousand members right now. And uh, we've had a lot of success. We've had some good horses, but the thing that I think I'm most proud about of that is we've actually developed a significant amount of new owners that hadn't uh, ever been involved in horse racing prior to joining the racing club. And they use the racing club as kind of the gateway um, to either join other syndicates or to go out on their own. Um, and that's uh, what we're definitely most proud of from the racing club standpoint. So one of your first horses in that group was Warriors Club, who went on to win several Stakes races, yeah. several races. Uh, how, who picked that horse out? So uh, we we always let the trainers do their thing, and so I, I got to give Wayne Lucas all the credit on that one. Um, I we had no idea what we were getting into when we started that thing, and and he was absolutely the first horse uh, we picked. Um, Wayne has a relationship with a consigner down in Ocala who you know, sent Wayne some videos of, of eight or nine different horses and, and Wayne smoked that one out right off the bat. And, uh, we purchased him for, I think 55,000 or 50,000 bucks, something like that. And he, he rattled off almost $800,000 and, and he's been really good to us. And he kind of set the table for, for the rest of the racing clubs. And we haven't had near the success with the other ones that we had with him, but you know, uh, we had our one big horse and, and we made it count. So will you have some offerings this year or are you going to wait to the two-year-old sales or what's going to happen in 2021? What we typically do is we, we send out all the information around the first part of April um, and, when, and we kind of piggyback off the craze of Derby and the excitement and whatnot. And then we go pluck out a horse from a two-year-old in training sale and, and kind of try to do the best we can with it. To, to be 100% honest, I haven't had any conversations about what the racing club looks like this year. I think uh, we have three groups that we started in 2020. So all of those groups, horses are now turning three. So we, uh, we haven't had much conversation about what 2021 looks like, but uh, if, uh, if we do do one, you guys will be the first to know. Hey, sounds good. Hey, let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, I, I saw on Twitter that uh, Indian Charlie is going to publish his last, or he's already published his last newsletter and I saw a tweet from you that said you were a you were an early correspondent, uh, like a fairgrounds correspondent for uh, for Mr. Musselman. Was that true? If, if you got any stories to tell about that? Yeah, when I was probably this goes back to to me running amok on the on the fairgrounds grounds when I was probably nine or ten. Indian Charlie came down for the first time in New Orleans. And my dad's barn is the very first barn that you, you come to when you come into the fairgrounds backside. So he didn't know anybody. He had, he had come down from Kentucky. He was just starting the sheet. So the first barn he came up to was mine and was my dad's barn. And he had the sheet. And so I walked him around and introduced him to everybody on the fairgrounds backside. Um, and from that point forward, he would send the sheets to the local Kinko's and I would pick him up every Saturday morning and go walk him around for him uh, for a few years there when he was uh, when he was still in Kentucky. So we have a we have a lot of fun uh, with that. And and that was just another cool experience that I had growing up. For those who aren't familiar, the Indian Charlie sheet is kind of half satire and half truth. Uh, 
how how is that uh how is he received on the backside at some of these places some of these racetracks do, do people are, are people cool with the newsletter or are they kind of offended or, or is it all in good fun i think 95 percent of it is all in good fun um i certainly <laughs> think some people get their feelings hurt a little bit and and you know ed ed pushes the envelope uh on occasion so yeah but i, I think for the most part the people within the industry understand uh, what what it's all about, and and they know the players, so they get the inside jokes that are kind of littered in throughout the the piece, and uh, and most of the time it's in good jest, and everybody sort of understands that. But I do know he's ruffled a few feathers, so uh, yeah, I, 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 know I know a few one. cases. <laughs> we'll leave that for another day. Right. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's talk about some handicapping. Uh, we got a big card coming up at Fairground, several stakes races on Saturday, uh, a, a Triple Crown prep race, a, a Kentucky Oaks prep race, a big day of racing, and we're going to go through the late pick five. Uh, first of all, Gary, how do you handicap? Any certain tools that you use? No, actually, guys like Ed and Scott Shapiro, they, they pick on me a little bit because I, I – uh, I'm kind of a speed handicapper. I'm totally in the mindset that if I think long, I think wrong, and I try to overcomplicate things. But for me, I have I just try to use my my gut instinct, and I know all the trainers, I know all the connections. I've seen a lot of the horses run. Um, there are certainly times when I would make a mental note of a horse that's had a bad trip at Churchill Downs, or if I remember things from watching races particularly like this weekend at fairgrounds as an example um in my time there whenever they take the rail down to zero on the turf speed usually is very favorable um so the first thing i'll do is i'll look at a grass race and i'll know the rails at zero and i'll i'll immediately zone in on on things that are going to be on or near the lead so for me it's a lot of instincts and and it's a lot of pace and trip handicapping i'll try to go through and identify what the race shape looks like and, and being able to know that, you know, someone like Florent Giroux is going to be more aggressive than particular other riders. It, it It's sort of a, a little bit of a feel and instinctual uh, handicapping for me. And I know I get picked on a lot by some of the guys that like to dive into the different computer programs and, and look at all. Not me, Gary. You're a man of my own. You're a man like me. I'm the same way, pal. I I'm just want to keep way. it simple. More more information, the the bad for me. Uh, to each their own in this game. Uh, we've only got we've only got one rule. Uh, you, you have to you have to pick more winners than Brandon, or you won't get invited back to the podcast. <laughs> That's funny. We'll see what uh, we can do for sure. We could have he a competition. Had a big last week. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll go head to head anytime, anybody. <laughs> Gary, you and you and I are good. We can play on the same team, but we'll there take on these other guys in there. <laughs> there you go. All right, all right. Let's talk about Saturday. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna dive into race nine first. This is the Marie Cranch Memorial, mile and sixteenth on the turf. As aforementioned, the rail is down at zero feet, so we might look for some speed here. Looks, I don't have the morning line yet. But we're just going to take a stab at it. I think uh, Delica, the five horse for Al Stahl, will be the favorite, probably somewhere around eight to five, nine to five, something like that. She's a multiple stakes winner of over $300,000. Uh, last seen winning the Blushing KD. Gary, we're going to start off with you. Uh, any thoughts on the Marie Krantz Memorial? No, I think you're absolutely right that Delica will ultimately be the favorite. Uh, if you go back and watch the Blushing KD, the race she ran, or the race she won uh, a few weeks back at Fairgrounds, you'll see um, that she was gate to wire again. The the rail was down, and she had absolutely everything her way. So it'll be interesting to see if anybody goes after her um, this time around. Um, yeah, I, I, I just can't foresee them letting her get absolutely loose on the lead again uh, as they did last time, and. I think it's interesting that the the Brad Cox mayor secret message, uh, second time with Brad, second time off a little bit of a layoff. It'll be interesting to see if they get a little bit more aggressive early on, uh, you know, in the race and, and try to put a little more pressure on uh, Delica than, than they did last time. Okay, Brandon. Uh, that was well said. There's not much <laughs> different. Uh, than, I mean, that's a great read on how that race is going to probably pan out. Uh, you know, 
secret message because I think you know Sean Bridgeman's having a great meet at at Tur- uh, God, where am I at? Turfway? No, fairground. So uh, <laughs> I'm just I always got Turfway in my mind. I don't know. Me why. too, brother. Me too. Me brother. too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, in my in my famous best trainer, my best friend, Brad Cox. He's definitely gonna win if you guys have ever heard of him. But uh, I'm also <laughs> looking at at, at uh, the Argentinian bread, the jo- Joy Euphoria on the inside. I think this horse has got a real shot, and I've seen this angle before, but really when uh, uh, Trevor McCarthy is actually training the horses and, and ran them at Churchill, uh, but I think this one could get in form. I like the time that they've taken with this one, and to reappear on the turf here at, at Fairgrounds is saying a lot and jumping up a little bit. So I'm going to take the one, three, five. Okay, I'll, Alan. I'll give you one more interesting horse and the six what do you guys think of the six room to finish this is it this is always a big angle for me but nine trips nine trips at fairgrounds five wins in two seconds i love to see that so i didn't know if you guys were very big on horses for courses i'm big on horses for courses but um i'm actually um was going to ask you about that horse as a matter of fact because there's a lot of state bred state bred wins in there you think this horse can compete at this level uh, exiting state bread company that's going to be the question that's got to be asked yeah i see the trips back at churchill downs in in the spring uh you know i see the the win at arlington so she's certainly proven that she can you know in a little different uh competition level but um horses like that 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 like fairgrounds they really really like fairgrounds so um you know that's a horse that you don't want to split you in exacto or, or to kick you out of a try or something like that uh We'll find out if she's fast enough against the the better, you know, open class mares in New Orleans. But but to have well, you know, she's she's first or second in 20 lifetime starts, and she's uh, 13 of 18 first or second on the turf. I mean, uh, this horse looks live to me, to be honest with you. And Vashitsa rides out as well as anybody down there. So I mean, who's your favorite jockey down there at the fairgrounds? Who do you lean on? Mitchell Merle, James Graham. I think uh, so. I, I full disclosure. I'm I'm very good friends with Brian Hernandez. I'm actually the godfather of his uh, his son. So we're pretty we're pretty close. Uh, but I just think Brian rides a really smart and heady race. I don't ever see Brian in trouble. You know, he's not one of the guys that you see stuck on the fence and looking for room. And you know, I, I think he rides a very heady, smart race. And I think um, Florent and uh, and Adam Biscizza are are you know. Two, two quality riders uh, that, that can get the job done. But, you know, if my money was on the line, I just think Brian just has that ability to, to keep horses out of trouble and, and, and win races. So. I'm with you there. We love Brian. Uh, what about the Florent Drew and Mark, Mark? Florent Drew's riding for Mark Cassie. He's not riding the, uh, the Brad Cox uh, secret message. What do you make of that? Do you make anything of that? I don't. That's actually really, really surprising to me. I don't know how to read into that. Uh, exactly. That leads me to believe that maybe Brad decided late in the game to run and Floron had already given the call away. Um, you know, that, that one's that one's a puzzler for sure. Uh, yeah. We'll have to, we'll I have to do see think if we can sniff around and see what happened there. Yeah. Flow is definitely Cox's a, a guy, but Sean's having a great meet, so sometimes he'll tilt his hand. I think yeah. it depends on the track, too, because I've been around it before and who's going to race our horses. And we had Sean on one the first time, and then after that, it went to flow the rest of the time. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I like all the horses you guys mentioned. I'm intrigued by Joy Epifora because I think this horse was meant to go on the turf the entire time when she came to this country. Uh, and then they, I think they got rained off at Churchill last year, and she ran a nice second to Lady Kate, who kind of blossomed after that. I'm interested to see what she does, but I do think, as you mentioned, the race, Delica and Secret Message are probably the two, and I'm going to keep more of an eye on room to finish now uh, that you mentioned that. So I, I'm a little up in the air. I'm not trying to, to pass the buck, but those are kind of the four I like. Cece, you got any thoughts? Well, yeah, before we go on to the 10th race, I'll, one more point on Joy Epifora, and I talked about this last week with uh, the Philly Sananas that won it at Santa Anita from Mike McCarthy. This this is a five-year-old mare in the U.S. 
but in reality, she's just four and a half years old. She's uh, she was born in August uh, in the southern hemisphere. So uh, there's there's got to be some improvement there somewhere. So I think uh, I think you'd be wise to include this this mare in your uh, in your exotics at the very least. And I think she might have a shot to win the race. Yeah, uh, and I'd add I'd add that what Gary mentioned earlier about because there is a lack of speed in this race outside of Delica. If the rail is at zero, that's something to truly keep in mind, wouldn't you think, Gary? Yeah, no doubt. I, I well, you'll be able to see um, from some of the earlier races, and in particular the races that are going to be on, um, you know, Thursday and Friday. But certainly something to watch early on in the card before you make your late pick five ticket is if if horses are able to make up any ground at all or not. And, and CC, as you as you alluded to. Is maybe joy if it is maybe joy up before it goes. The horse is coming is coming out of one turn races and stuff from earlier in the year. Maybe with show some good speed up, that they might send that horse. Who knows? So I think that horse is live as well. Okay, let's move to race ten. This is the Louisiana uh, Grade Three, hundred twenty-five thousand dollar purse, mile and sixteenth on the dirt. Uh, we'll note that Captivating Moon, the two horse, is also cross entered in the 11th race and we'll talk about that in a minute uh as far as a favorite goes i'm not 100 percent sure where favoritism will will land i mean i think there's a couple in here that could uh, vie for that it would be silver prospector maybe blackberry wine uh wells bayou the louisiana derby winner last year is entered here as well uh gary let's start with you what do you think about the louisiana uh, this was a very competitive race. Uh, it's it's going to be a fun betting race. To your point, I think favoritism could go a number of different directions in here. Um, and I think this is a race where you, you're just going to want to take a few horses and try to survive. Uh, you know, you, you're going to want to advance here. Um, you, you know, I think it's going to be a, a very wide open race. It'll be interesting to see which Wells Bayou comes back. Um, you know, I would have to think he's going right to the lead and uh, would look for him to, uh, to to take him as far as they can. But uh, the, the Asmussen horse, Sonneman, is really interesting. Obviously, running second to Maxfield last time uh, would would put that race right in, in contention to win here. But I think from my perspective here, I just don't want to get beat by any of these. So I would probably go pretty deep here and, and use most of the logicals. Okay, Brandon. Yeah, uh, you know, title ready, I think, is a unique play. Didn't do well at the Clark. I just don't like those distances for that horse. I think if you cut back to the mile in the 16th, this guy's game. And you and you keep uh, – you're switching, actually, from Corey over to Brian because Corey's down at Gulfstream. So I'd like to see that, that ride there and see how that race goes uh, with him. But, I, you know, I couldn't really focus on a big favorite. I mean, I thought there's a lot of possibilities here. Uh, you know, with Brad Cox and Florent Giroux, I mean, this that they're a really good dynamic winning duo that you just can't. It's hard to make. I think this is a soft spot for Wells Bayou to be entered, but you know, hasn't raced in quite some time. You don't see six furlong works ever with Brad. I don't. I don't think I've ever seen it. But Wells mm-hmm. Bayou's got a six furlong work, and and why they worked them like that on the last workout before this race, I still that's a another question mark but I, I don't think there's any question of if the horse is ready or not the horse is definitely ready so I, I you know blackberry wine the only thing i can say about that horse i think the horse has been dq'd like five six seven times i remember watching <laughs> placed in different places running a maiden special weight he already won twice you know still had to break his maybe because he's been dq'd so many times you don't know what you're going to get with blackberry wine you had one start at fairgrounds which is good and a very soft very soft field that day. Uh, maybe that horse will run. Maybe that was just a tune-up to that. So I'm going to land on, you know, I like Captivating Moon too, but I can't, you can't spread here. I, I'm going to put Silver Prospector as my B horse. I like Blackberry Wine for a chance. I like to see the tote and the odds there. Title ready and Wells by you. Okay, Alan. I'm, I'm, I kind of agree with Gary. There's a lot of X factors. There's a lot of X factors in this race. So I, I'd have to spread, even though I, like, I want to play Silver Prospector because I, I still remember on Clark night out at Churchill, uh, Silver Prospector was in the 14 hole 
and made a very menacing move on the turn. The, 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 the running lines don't really show it. I thought the horse was going to figure for a little bit uh, from an impossible post. So she has, he hasn't run since then. So I, I'm leaning a silver prospect with Wells Bayou coming off the layoff. Blackberry Wine being this uh, two-time winner who's crossed the wire first four times. Title ready coming off the layoff. There's there's several in here that that catch my eye. I'm like, Gary, I don't want to get beat out of this race, so I would probably include all the ones I just mentioned. Again, it sounds like I'm passing the buck, but uh, I'd lean silver prospector, but it's, it's nothing confident. I'm going to take uh, number four, Blackberry Wine, on top. I just noticed he's giving uh... – He's getting six pounds from Wells Bayou and Silver Prospector. I mean, that's that's yeah. roughly a length, length and a half, going two turns. I think that's going to be enough. I think he's going to be right off of Wells Bayou. If Wells Bayou were to give ground late, I think Blackberry Wine's going to run by. But uh, I'm like you guys. I think I think you might have to use a few just just to get through. Hey, the good thing is, is if you bet Blackberry Wine and win, he'll you'll cash your ticket before he gets disqualified two weeks later, right? Oh. <laughs> Okay. Okay. That's funny. That's funny. Uh, number, or excuse me, race number 11 is the Colonel E.R. Bradley Stakes, 125,000, mile and 16th on the turf. Uh, and so we're talking about uh, speed on the turf when the rail is down. And it looks to me like there's a lot of speed in here. Uh, we'll make one note, uh, number 11, Mis- Mr. Misunderstood has been retired, so he's not going to uh, participate in this race. Uh, again, a wide open race. I think uh, favoritism may go between number one, Logical Myth, and number eight, Spectacular Jim. Uh, there may be a few others here that also uh, will, will take some money. But, uh, Gary, uh, what do you think about race 11, the ER Bradley Stakes? I think you're going to see a carbon copy of the Diliberto Memorial. Um, I think Logical Myth drew the one hole that day. He sat an absolutely perfect trip right on the inside, right in behind kind of some of the same uh, type of speeds. Uh, the horse, like we just talked about earlier, is five wins at fairground or five starts at fairgrounds and four wins. I can just envision a trip where that horse is just set right behind the likes of Maraud and uh, Spectacular Jim and Sailing Solo and uh, and could really, really trip out well uh, in this race. So I think you're you're going to see a, a carbon copy of his exact trip in the in the last race. Okay, Brandon. You know, it's funny. If you all remember the year Justify won the Derby and how much it rained that day, I'll never forget Maraud. That horse won on that undercard, if you all remember. And I was live on the pick four until Yoshida showed up. And I <laughs> bet that that horse wouldn't run in the slop. And I was wrong, but I did hit the, the pick three, which, you know, I had that funny duck in that leg and I covered that horse. And Jesus, the pick four was a $67,000 miss because I was, I was trying to get my ticket skinny. <laughs> and then, uh, but my pick five, my pick three paid $3,600. For a $52.50 ticket. So uh, that's just something I remember. That You don't see that run line on this, on the PP, but I, I won't forget it. But uh, anyway, I, I, I thought Logical Myth was definitely the logical play. Look at look at the starts. Had five starts at Fairgrounds, four wins. I mean, that's solid, very solid. Just like what Gary said, you know, a repeat of, of a prior race and sitting the one path. I mean, the horse is going the distance that it likes. I, I, I just didn't see a ton of difference here, but I would play, you know, if I'm looking for price, you know, maybe my boy Jack will show up and do something big. Uh, Maraud, like I said, and split the wickets, but I may take a single here now that the big scratch, Mr. Misunderstood is out. Okay. So you're going to single logical myth. It's very possible. Yes. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> You're not going to single that horse. Well, know. you know, because I don't bet, I don't bet with singles, but I'm going to try right. one ticket. Thank you. Because you don't, you don't have a backbone. That's why. <laughs> well, whatever. I like to build <laughs> equity where I can, but some days you can't. When it's big days, you don't want to build equity. <laughs> okay, oh, Alan, save us. <laughs> uh, well, let me ask you guys this: Who gets the lead? Who gets the lead? Watch well, people miss. 
Oh, oh, out of the gate? I mean, it seems yeah. to me like Spectacular Jim, every time Spectacular Jim has entered, she always, he always has to go up against three or four other massive speed horses. The horse can't catch a break. And he's got Sailing Solo right to his outside. And those two hooked up last time. You've got Maraud to the inside. Sometimes Spectacular Jim gets in these races. You think there's a ton of speed. And James Graham gets her out there, gets him out there by himself. So, you know, I, I don't know who gets the lead here. It's Sailing Solo or Spectacular Jim. Either way, I'm not going to pick a winner. I'm going to pick an underneath horse. Everybody else can try to pick the winner. I'm going to take uh, Split the Wickets. Split the Wickets is my uh, super key in this race. Maybe uh, to catch some of these horses that may die for, that may uh, tire out. And I don't split the wickets with Joe Talamo's good enough to get there uh, because, I mean, it's Talamo's first start at the fairgrounds. These guys know this course. But I, I can't see why he can't pass a lot of horses late and get in the money for a uh, nice vertical wager. Is that a cop-out? I don't know if it's a cop-out. It's a cop-out. Uh, every year when I play these big days at fairgrounds, the turf race always knocks me out. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spread here very diligently. That's for sure. Uh, let's go now to the fourth leg of this uh, late pick five sequence. It's the Silver Bullet Day, mile and 70 yards on the dirt. This is a Kentucky Oaks prep race uh, and locally a, a, a prep race for the, uh, is it the Rachel Alexandra, Gary, or the? Yeah, it goes uh, it? Rachel Alexandra and then to the, to the Fairgrounds Oaks. Fairgrounds Oaks. Okay. Yeah, I knew I was missing one there. But uh uh, Gary, we'll start with you. The the heavy favorite is going to be uh, Sunpath for uh, for Brad Cox and, and Judmont, who we've already mentioned uh, earlier that uh, Judmont's owner Khaled Abdullah passed away today. So um, uh, a lot of sentimental uh, a lot of sentimentality for uh, for the heavy favorite. Gary, can we beat Sunpath? Yeah, little inside baseball here uh, a few of these horses as well as a few from the lacomp are cross-entered into allowance races earlier on in the card um from what i gather the the four minute waltz the five princess theorem and the six divine comedy are all potential scratches here um in, in favor of the allowance race earlier in the card so i think it's it it, it really is sun paths race to to win or lose and and if you're playing a, a small ticket, you know, you could certainly lean on Sunpath. Uh, one thing just to keep in mind for folks not familiar with Louisiana racing, um, for that eight little stitches, um, seven furlongs at Delta Downs is actually a two turns. Uh, Delta Downs is only a six furlong racetrack. So the fact that that horse was able to, to show some affinity for two turns, even though it was at Delta, um, you know, is, is interesting as well. But this race goes through Sunpath, who will more than likely be a significant uh, heavy favorite and also a half-sister to last year's Fairgrounds Oaks winner, uh, Bonnie South. So uh, certainly uh, the horse to beat. Okay, Brandon. Well, you know, little stitious, I would say. I, I, remember I, that, I know he's going to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> that race very vividly. There was a Brad Cox horse entered in that race named Color of Dawn that I happened to have a small ownership in. <laughs> and that bull ring was the bull ring that day. I will tell you, though, our filly had a little hoof problem that day, and she didn't want to switch leads. So we let, you know, Tom Amos let him have the lead, or you know, and he ran off pretty, pretty soundly, 10 links. That was an impressive win. It was a good stretch out for the horse. Uh, we we were not ready that day, and and color don won't probably be back until keeneland or uh churchill spring meet so we'll see but uh you know i, I like that observation it's very good i thought super sensational is the only one that can kind of compete i don't know much about woodbine half the time but if if it is real fast and you know that dirt is just it just depends on the times we see that day but i thought maybe this horse could compete but I think Sunpath down the lane, I mean, will start rolling and really get separate here. Uh, this is her chance to really shine. And I know specifically from the barn, they believe this is their next old course. So, you know, that's what it is. But, okay. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm with these guys. It's 
I think it's Sun Pass race. The losers, nothing, nothing uh, fancy there. It's good information from Gary to see the horses are scratching because a few of those like Minute Waltz and uh, Divine Comedy could truly figure it in the exotics. But let's let's not make it harder than it is. It's probably gonna be Sun Pass. I think Super Sensational is a really nice horse. I think the Cassie Barn really likes really likes this one. Uh, Charlie's Penny looked really good at Churchill, but I'm sure Gary remembers the Sun Pass. Maiden went at Churchill. It was early in a card that day, and uh, it was about five, six, seven lengths off the pace, and Drew just pushed the button, and the horse just just effortlessly just had this one long sustained move to win going away to win that uh, to win that maiden race. Uh, they they think the horse is special. That's good enough for me. Uh, Sunpath at minuscule odds. I'm gonna say he'll probably be what one to two, perhaps. Uh, no doubt. Yeah, Sunpath will be one to two. Super Sensational might be what five to two, three to one, to something two, like yeah, that. Some, yeah, yeah I, I mean it's 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 those two. It's just a matter of how uh, how much Super Sensational has uh, improved from two to three, I think. Uh, but Sunpath is no doubt the one to, to one to beat. Uh, let's go to the last leg of the late pick five, and the most important race on the card. The LeCompte Stakes, a grade three, $200,000 for three-year-olds. This is the first step on the fairgrounds road to the Louisiana Derby and then on to the Kentucky Derby, uh, going a mile and a 16th. Uh, I've heard that number three, Beep Beep, and number nine, Manor House, will opt for the allowance race earlier on the card. So that's basically going to leave Mandaloon, uh, another Judmont, son of into mischief trained by brad cox this horse is probably going to be a prohibitive favorite and i think he's going to be hard to beat but uh gary uh, what are your thoughts on the lecompte uh yeah interesting race you're exactly right uh beep beep manor house and maybe even dynamite are looking to lean uh to the allowance race earlier i can tell you that the only reason joe talamo is in louisiana this weekend is to ride beep beep uh that's a horse that they believe oh, really? has has a lot of confidence uh, or has a lot of ability. They have a lot of confidence in that horse. So Joe's actually going down uh, from Arkansas. He's in Arkansas at Oakland getting ready to start the meet there, but he's going to go down to ride that horse uh, this weekend and, and see what he's made of. But you're right. I do think the race goes through Mandaloon. Um, I'll be honest with you. I was looking for a little bit more in the, the race at Churchill Downs. Um, I just thought he would, tower over that field and anyone he did it nicely um part of me wants to take a shot against him i wish there was something uh with a little more um umph in it i guess in here to, to take a shot with but i don't know uh i thought mandaloon would crush that field at churchill downs and he was kind of workman like yeah um, yeah exactly and uh and we'll see if i'm already singling sun path and and I'm, you know, looking at a couple of short prices here, I might try to get creative in this race and, and maybe use the one for Asmussen and maybe use the two for Dallas Stewart um, and maybe even Santa Cruz or a little bit uh, who, who seemed to the stretch out was no problem with that horse who beat regular guy who came back to win. But I might try to get cute in here um, and we'll see what Mandaloon's all about. But like I said, I sure thought he'd run off and hide from that field last time, and it, it didn't wow me. Gary, I agree with you. I, I was there that day. I watched the race, and it was a little too too close for comfort, I thought. Uh, we heavily relied on that horse that day, and, uh, you know, it still did win, but it wasn't like that big of an impression that was left with me. But, you know, seeing that the horse has been working out at the fairgrounds, you know, getting some time to still grow and improve, you know, I, I always kind of think that that once they kind of round into a different year and things are changing a little bit and they ship, maybe they can, maybe they're going to be a different horse. So, I mean, and possibly that horse could also be another Oaks, Oaks horse for uh, Brad. So, you don't, I don't know, uh, but yeah, I mean, by far the favorite. I thought maybe, like you said, Midnight Bourbon, could do some things with Ricardo. He kind of surprises there at, at fairgrounds on occasion. Uh, I know he's not riding there regularly. I don't think. Um, I haven't played much fairgrounds, but yeah, in Santa Cruz or but yeah, Mandaloon. Those are uh, you know really Mandaloon for me. Sticking with Santa Cruz or 
And if those scratches really come in, uh, you know, midnight bourbon would probably be my third choice. Okay, Alan. I, I agree with everything these guys just said. Uh, Mandaloon probably wins this race because, as Brandon said, he may be taking a step forward as a three over the time off. He may show what he really is made of. I would be willing to go against the horse because, again, as Gary said, that race at Churchill, was it wasn't a great field. There was a Chad Brown horse in her name, uh, Fonder, who was okay. But it was, as he said, it was a workmanlike performance. It was a, it was a grinding type. Uh, yeah, he'll get there, but it doesn't didn't blow your socks off. I think the horse can be favored. I'll certainly have him on my ticket. But I might take a chance with uh, with Santa Cruiser, uh, DeSormo and Calumets, James Graham. You know, if you look at closely, there's not may not be a ton of speed in this race. This horse coming out of that one-turn mile at Churchill was pretty dead game to haul off regular guy that day. I know I need a regular guy. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I might try Santa Cruiser uh, to maybe wire the field while acknowledging that Mandaloon may blossom as a three-year-old. Midnight Bourbon, CC. What, what do you think of that? I think this is a two-turn horse, and he's really well-bred. But, uh, you know, what do you think of this one here, Midnight Bourbon? Uh, well, the race at Churchill on Derby Derby Day was fairly impressive. Uh, he yeah. gets first Lasix. Well, no, he does. No, he does not get first Lasix. I'm sorry, he doesn't get first Lasix. But this horse is bred to be anything. It, yeah. Uh, I can't remember wh- who he's a half to, but he's a half to some very nice horses. So, uh, you know, it, it, if the horse improves at all, and we don't know what happened at the Champagne Stakes, he was beaten by by two really good horses, Jackie's Warrior yeah. and Reinvestment Risk. So, I mean, you know it. it it wouldn't, you know, this is the, Steve Aspusen's got a bunch of horses and this is the one he chooses to run the comp. So maybe, maybe, you know, there's something to this horse. Uh, just on, uh, as a vote of confidence for, for the favorite Mandaloon, that, that lounge race was okay. Twilight Blue came back right to run second or third in a, a sprint stakes at, at the fairgrounds a few weeks ago. And then the fourth place finisher, Pico Diora, won a lounge race at Turfway. Uh, yeah in the last two weeks so you know i mean and the number the, came back big right bob's edge, so bob's edge broke his maiden next time out at uh at churchill too so yeah and the maiden and his maiden win and stuff so uh yeah mandaloon's definitely the one to beat there all right so let's uh let's just do a, a short recap uh gary we'll start with you uh, we're tell us where you would spread and where you would go uh narrow on uh on late pick fives, late pick four tickets. I think I would spread in the uh, Marie Krantz. I would probably use a couple in there. Um, I would definitely try to get room to finish uh, in the mix. Um, in the 10th race, the, the Louisiana, I would try to spread a little bit. I would try to, to get through that leg as best I could. Um, you know, I, I, I think as we've gone through this sequence, we're, we're kind of all leaning in the same direction that this sequence could probably chalk out a little bit. So yeah, yeah. I don't want to get too crazy. You know, I could see taking a stand with something like uh, a spread, a, a spread, maybe a single logical myth, maybe single sun path, and maybe try to beat Mandolin and just try to create some value out of a sequence that doesn't look like it, it may have a lot in there. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I think money's to be made earlier on in the card for sure. But uh, but this pick five is actually going to have a hundred thousand dollar guarantee, and this late pick four is going to have a hundred and fifty thousand dollar guarantee. So there'll be plenty of money in the pools. But I think you want to take more of a rifle shot approach than a, a shotgun approach to this sequence. And uh, before we wrap up, oh, who go go ahead. Well, I just said it was well said. I agree. I agree oh. with them on the pick five strategy. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, uh, Gary, uh, you mentioned that the, there's some money to be made earlier in the card. You've already given us one horse already. Uh, anything else that you that you like early on? Uh, I, I just think that these the maiden races and the allowance races earlier on the card are are ripe for for some chaos and some potential uh, you know sizable payouts. In the seventh race, the the Brad Cox horse Folsom. I was all in on that horse last time and. Uh, I'm really hopeful that the blinkers, uh, turned the light bulb on for that horse. Um, looked, looked totally lost, uh, early on in the race there and, um, never really 
looked focused and until the last few strides. So I'm interested in, in that horse and maybe leaning on him a little bit in the seventh race. Uh, I think there's some interesting horses in the, uh, where was that? In the fifth race is an incredibly wide open uh, maiden Philly grass race. Uh, I can see a horse like the four for, uh, for Ignacio Correas enjoying the stretch out at probably a big, a big price. Um, you know, so I think there are some opportunities in some of the early races to, to latch on to something. Okay, guys, anything else for Gary? Well, I would say Michelle Lovell's got just might in the stakes race in race three, you know, if I'm not mistaken. So we got to always yep. tip our cap to Miss Lovell <laughs> and be pulling for her. And yeah, I'll ask Gary something. I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask Gary about Turfway, what he thinks about Turfway. This is a Kentucky <laughs> horse racing podcast, Gary. I know you know that, and I know you love Turfway. You're like us. Uh, give me your thoughts on Turfway. It's not as hard as people make it out to be, is it? No, and you know what? I'm I'm frustrated in myself. I've made some bonehead wagering mistakes there. We all have. You know, I, I latched on to the angle early on in the meet that, you know, I, I talked to horsemen there about the track, and, and the consensus was it was a little bit deeper. It was a little bit tiring. It's a, a brand-new surface that Tapita developed specifically for the climate conditions of Turfway. That's why it looks – it has that brownish tint to it, um, and I think – you know, I picked up right away that horses were going to need a race over the track to win there. And it, it seems like every time I, I went narrow in a race, uh, some horse that fit the angle to a T would beat me at 20 to one or whatever. So right. where I've been wrong at Turfway is I've just leaned on the wrong horses. Um, as you mentioned, you know, favorites are winning at a hefty clip there. Horses that uh, have had a race over the track are winning there. And and I think the the allure, like we all you know have seen, is is the ability where for for one pick four or one pick five to to turn the tide and make up for a lot of mistakes. So um, it's been good, fun, competitive racing with with full fields, and I actually really enjoy digging into the races there because I think there's a a true puzzle as to how races will unfold there, and 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 what horses you know may have been running at Churchill that that their forms have tailed off, but you got to dig way back to, to last year to see that they relished the, the turf way all weather and stuff. So it, it's been a lot of fun and, and a bright spot on the Kentucky circuit. It certainly has. And uh, we, we've had lots of success with it. We, we champion it a lot and uh, we're appreciative of it. And I know Brandon who just knocked out that big five last week is very appreciative of it. Uh, so I know you're a big fan and such, so we want to give them a shout out and I'll continue to do so. Uh, I know it's not derby prep type stuff at Turfway, but at the end of the day, we are trying to make money. And regardless of what the um, what the people say, you can make money at Turfway, and it's not as difficult as people make it out to be. But that's I, my sermon. I, I love playing the pick threes at Turfway because you're going to get a favorite probably in that sequence, if not two, but then you're going to get a great price horse. Yep. And I think earlier when the when the meet just opened, I think I cashed a fifty. Sent pick three for like twelve hundred dollars. It was quite yeah. insane. Absolutely. Uh, Tell them, CC. Yeah. You agree with us, right? Well, I was just going to read these stats if I can find them. I've already lost them up. You know, through the through uh, Saturday, the average two dollar pick three payoff was fourteen hundred eighty one dollars. It's insane. Uh, average pick, it's insane. Yeah, average pick four is twelve thousand. That's for a two dollar payoff. Average pick five is thirty eight thousand. I mean, it's it's incredible to, uh, you know, like like Alan always says, uh, the people that complain about uh, the chaotic results at Turfway, you, you know, you're getting twelve horse fields in just about every race. So, I mean, this is what we want as gamblers. And, and I want to add one thing to that, I, and, and I don't I don't mean to go on about it, but. All those numbers you just read on the big exotics, that's with favorites winning 39% of the races. The favorites, with the, and those you still get those exotics at that payoff, right? That means three, right. Of, three of the eight horses, three of the eight horses on any given night are, are favorites. The, 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 so learn how to bet vertically. Uh, learn, how, know, learn when to spread, when to single. Uh, it's, uh, there's money to be made there, and it's, it's not unreasonable. You're not going to have three 40-to-1 shots winning in a row. It just takes a little creativity, a little luck, leaning and guessing in the right way and stuff. But, uh, again, I'll sermonize till the end of time about Turfway. So, uh, <laughs> I, and I don't have stock either. So, just so you know. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, anything else for Gary? 
No, that's it. We we really appreciate uh, his input. I think he's put us on a lot of winners. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I I, I love to do to talk horse racing. So anytime. All right, so we'll wrap it up. We'll wrap it up right here. Uh, this is CC Broadus on behalf of Alan Schneider and Brandon Jaggers, and and of course we're we're very grateful that uh, Gary Palmisano has joined us, and hopefully uh, we gave out a lot of winners uh, on Saturday's Fairgrounds card. So. Uh, On behalf of everybody, I just want to remind you at home that gambling money ain't got no home.